0: All right, Uh, we have been uh, uh, talking this summer about some various names of Jesus, some various titles of Jesus, because he's called many things in the New Testament, and uh, I'm going to pull this one from uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. I want to talk about that this morning. And I want to talk uh, about your testimony, your story, As a pastoral staff, as we prayed this year, we uh, have have talked about our desire to see all of us be uh, able to share freely with the world around us uh, uh, about Him and about what He's done in our lives. So this week and next week, we're going to center on that idea, your story. And um, I want to start by saying this, on behalf of the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry because the Apostle Paul ruined testimonies for us forever. Like, he had this unbelievable story that he told. And he told it many times. And it sort of set the bar so high, and, and it got us looking in one particular direction, that I'm kind of miffed that he did it in the first place. Maybe it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But I mean, seriously, I mean, the guy was... He's going, you remember his conversion story because he told it so many times in the book of Acts. I mean, he's going to arrest Christians or maybe throw them in jail and maybe even kill. And, and on the way, he hears a voice and, 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 and a light that's so bright and it knocks him off his horse. Mark says there's no horse in the passage, but I'm holding on to the horse. It was there in the deep Greek. Mark, you can't tell me what's not in there. I've always had that detail in my mind. Anyway, knocks off, hits his head on a rock, we can keep it going, just elaborate. Anyway, um, and then changes. I just dropped a pen all the way down. You know, I, I don't even really need it, but thank you, appreciate that. And ever since then, people think of testimony as their conversion story. And they feel like they have to compete with the Apostle Paul. Now, when I was growing up, I grew up in a missions environment, and every year I would go on a missions trip, and, and we would always have This time to share your testimony. And I was jealous of people who had great, big, glaring sins in their past. (laughs) It was just silly as that sounds. Like, I was jealous of people who went through all kinds of trauma and pain from a bad household because they had the great stories. How lame is that? I did not have a good story. My story was like, oh, I was raised in a Christian home and my parents really loved me and I can't really even remember when I first gave my life to Jesus. That was my story. How lame is that? Now, people would tell me and they would say, they would speak to this. Does anyone else, can anyone relate to this? Okay, so a lot of people, even, oh boy, even our young guys today. Okay, whew, guys, hear me. All right, people would tell me, that's a good story that's a great story, because that means your parents actually loved you. That's so good. And as I think about that now, I'm like, you know, no, here's the thing. The fact is great. It's great to have parents that love you and care about you. That is a true thing. That's a great thing. But guys, I don't know much, but I know stories, and that's a bad story. It's a lame story. Stories need conflict. That's a lame story. It's OK. Your conversion story might be limp, and I'm here to tell you, that's okay. <laughs> the reason it's okay is because it's not your testimony. Why did we ever think we have to limit our testimony to this really, really narrow time? Like, we don't usually do this with, with other relationships. We, the exception is we do this sometimes as couples, and it's only when couples are getting together and, like, getting to know each other for the first time. Because someone will ask the question, so, how'd you guys meet? And then, sometimes there'll be this great story that emerges, and you're like, wow, that is so cool. But when Sarah and I are with another couple, I kind of cringe when they ask this question, because our story stinks. It's really just lame. It's like, how'd you guys meet? I'm like, well, uh, her mom was the church secretary, and my dad was the new pastor, and so it was Basically, like, an arranged marriage. (laughs) Like, that's it. If this falls again, you don't have to pick it up, but thanks. And and so, like, it's, you know, like, okay, no, no, really, how did you meet? I'm like, okay, like, we were at youth group. We are like, 19 years old, and, and I had my keyboard set up on the stage, and I was on the foyer, and she came and asked me if she could play it, and I said, yeah. That's not cute! There's nothing cute about it! It was just like this lame little moment. Like There was no lightning, there was no like boom, 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 boom. You like music too? I mean, no, it was nothing like that. I said, yeah, sure. <sighs> okay, but there must be more. Okay, fine, I'll tell you a little more. Since you're twisting my arm. I, we started working together with that youth group, and, and uh, we, we wrote a Christmas play together. And that's how we got to know you. and it was such it was a terrible Christmas play. I know this because we found the script a year ago and looked at it and we're like, "Oh, thank you Lord that the internet was not really much of a thing yet." Because it was so bad and I was a writer now I see that I'm cringing. I'm like, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe I wrote that." But the one good thing that came out of it is I noticed her and she noticed me and so we started we started dating. And, but back then, we called it courting, because that's what you're supposed to call it, because we, were, we had all kissed, dated goodbye, see. And um, <laughs> some of you guys get that joke. Um, but uh, so we're, we're like together, but I knew right away, like, we were going to get married, okay? This leads me to my incredibly awesome engagement story, because you guys aren't bored enough yet. Um, we, we, I knew that I was going to marry her within like two weeks, like, I just decided, yep, that's the one. And she knew Pretty soon as well. So within a month, maybe six weeks, we were already talking about getting married. We were 19, but we were like, yeah, this is where it's going. Like, yeah. And so so the, the, the one thing we had to do was to convince her, her dad. So we, we sat down with her parents. The four of us sat down. And for two hours, I convinced them to let me marry their daughter. <laughs> because they... Her dad was sure that she was gonna marry a lawyer. Like he just or excuse me, a a pastor. And I wanted to be a lawyer. And because I watched too much Law and Order. That was the only reason, really. And I thought I wanted that. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for not giving me the thing that I thought I wanted. Um, but he he was sure this wasn't right, and so for two hours I was like giving all my best lawyerly arguments on why this was a good idea, and he should let me marry his daughter. So he gets to the end of the night and he says yes, and they pray over us and You know, it's a sort of reluctant, okay, fine. Now, I'm so giddy because I just won. You know, I won. So we step outside the house that night, and we were in the carport, and I just suddenly occurs to me, like, oh, I never actually asked her to marry me. (laughs) So I just kind of turn, and I'm like, will you marry me? Yes, hee, 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 and like, we're just kind of still giddy, and the whole thing seemed silly at that point because it was, well... Guys, I know that's a lame engagement story. I know it reveals that I had no game whatsoever. <laughs> There's nothing even a little tiny bit romantic about that. Like I could have held off, you know? I could have said, hey, let's go on a walk under the stars. At least something like that. But no, it was like the carport. And then... The story's so bad that my parents, my, my friends over there, they just have still mocked me to this day, and they will refer to it, and they, they, will, they have added a detail. They say there was a big uh, uh, grease stain, like an oil stain in the carport. They're like, Jason, no, it's right in the oil stain. I'm like, there was no oil. <laughs> we don't have a very good story of how we met or got together, but we have a great marriage story. Because for 22 years, we've lived some stuff. Like, we've lived in five states. We've had five kids. We've we've had some huge highs and some major lows. But we still love each other, and our family's still together. And I think we got some stuff to say. We got a story to tell. I want to tell you, you might not have a very good conversion story of how you met Jesus, but if you follow him and you've been following him for any length of time, I guarantee you have a story. Here's how I know because you have been through some stuff, and yet here you are. You ever thought about that? All of us go through things. You might not be able to relate to what I'm going through. I probably can't relate to what you're going through. Pain isn't a competition, hardship isn't a competition. All of us have been through stuff. But if you follow Jesus and you've been through stuff and you're here this morning worshiping him, proclaiming his goodness, that means you got something to say. Why are you even still here? Why are you still here? You know, there's a reason there. You have hope. And the world needs to hear about that. First Peter uh, uh, 3.5 says uh, to be ready to give an answer for the hope of that lies in you. I used to think that verse was about like apologetics, like understanding all the arguments the world has. But I don't really think it's about that. I think he's talking about like, why do you still have hope? Why do you still follow Jesus despite all the stuff you've seen that might lead you away? Those are the things that we need to solidify. We all have a story, and that's what Peter's calling us to, I believe, to be ready to tell your story. Do you know what your story is? Acts 1.8 says this, you will be my witnesses. This is Jesus right before he leaves. He says, you'll be my witnesses. Um, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of Of the earth, I was thinking about that term, witness. This is a this is a courtroom term. I know this because I watched Law and Order. (laughs) You think of a witness, you're not thinking of somebody wearing a black robe, are you? Nor are you thinking of the slick-talking attorney who's up trying the case. So a witness is simply somebody who gets up and tells a story. This is what I saw. This is what happened. Here's what it is. And I believe when we are called to witness, even to take that as a verb, we are called to just to, to do just that, first and foremost, to simply tell what it is we saw, to simply tell what it is God has done in our lives. You have a story. What is the story that Jesus is authoring in your life? That's what I want to examine There's quite a story that happened when Jesus comes into the scene. Uh, All throughout the New Testament, you see these crazy things. One of my favorites happened here in John uh, chapter 9. And we're going to read part of this story and then kind of skip through the end because it's quite long. Um, But we'll we'll read it out of the message because sometimes it's fun to read some of these uh, uh, longer passages out of there because it flows a little better. Here we go. John John chapter 9. Walking down the street... Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? Jesus massively rolled his eyes. Oh, wait, sorry. That was that was in the deep Greek. You guys, you don't have that translation. Sorry. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the workday is over. For as long as I'm in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. He said this, and then he spit in the dust, made a clay paste with the saliva, and rubbed the paste in the blind man's eyes. That's just a normal thing, right? Right? And said, Go wash at the pool of Siloam, which means sin. And the man went and washed and saw. So soon the town was buzzing. His relatives and those who year after year had seen him as a blind man begging were saying, Why isn't this the man we knew who sat here and begged? Others said, It's him all right. But others said, this is my favorite. Others said, it's not the same man. It just looks like him. <laughs> ah, he's, yeah, he's about 5'9", had brown curly hair. Yeah, similar, similar. He's like, it's me. Didn't <laughs> struck you guys as funny as it did me, but that's all right. It's just fine. He said, it's me. Uh, they said, uh, how did your eyes get open? He said, a man named Jesus made a paste and rubbed it on my eyes, and he told me, go to Siloam and wash it. I did what he said, and when I washed, I saw. They said, where is he? I don't know, and, and they, they, they marched the man to the Pharisees because this day when Jesus made the paste and healed his blindness was the Sabbath. So here's what happens. They get really, really upset. Their heads are exploding, not because of the miracle, but because it was on the Sabbath. <laughs> How dare he? So, so they're parading this guy around, and they're interrogating him, and then they're interrogating his parents. They're saying, was he really blind? Was he? Was he? And they're like, uh, yeah, you should just ask him. And they're, everyone's scared because they know they're in big trouble. And finally, they come back to him. We'll pick it up in verse 24. They called the man back a second time, the man who had been born blind, and told him, give credit to God. We all know this man is an imposter. So they're saying, yeah. And he replied, I know nothing about that one way or the other, but I know one thing for sure I was blind and now I see. They couldn't take away his testimony, they couldn't take away his story because it was his. You can't just snatch that from somebody. You can make arguments about how they could be wrong about a thing that they believe. You can do all kinds of things. You can intimidate them back down from an unpopular position. But you can't take someone's story away. And they tried with this man and they couldn't. And your story is the same thing it's personal, it's unique. Something that God is writing in your own life. It can't be stolen from you. And yet, many of us have a hard time holding on to it. Many of us have a hard time sharing that thing, sharing the reason for the hope that is in us. Why is that? Well, I, I, think, I think of two reasons I think two reasons why this happens. And the first one is people often think their stories are too sad or not happy enough. There's no lightning. There's no huge breakthrough. Like that guy had a story. Like his eyes were closed and they were open. There's a story. But what if you don't have that miracle? What, What if you've what if you've prayed for a long time for a miracle and God hasn't come through? And you still follow Jesus because he did things in your life to get you there. But you think, I can't really share that because that's not like a big, cool, shiny story. It's kind of sad. And here's what I wanna tell you guys. When I speak from experience here, it's easy to follow Jesus when things are good. And it's not necessarily a huge testimony when things are good all the time. I mean, the testimony of what God did is amazing. And, but but we, we tend to think that unless there's this exclamation point somewhere, that it can't really be a great testimony. But you know what I've seen in my own life is the most powerful thing that's come, that's come out is... is is the dark times. When things have been really hard and I've held on to Jesus and he's sustained me and I've shared that thing, that's the thing that ends up making a big impact. Here's, Here's why that is. The world's looking for reality. People are looking for things that are real, you know? And I think for For a long time, in a lot of settings, people looked at at Christians as if we weren't real. And I think that's for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons, I think, is maybe some of the stuff we grew up with in church. Like, we used to sing songs like, I'm inside, outside, upside, downside, happy all the time. Sing it with me, Robin. I'm inside, outside, upside, downside, happy all the time. When Jesus Christ came in and cleansed my heart from sin, I'm inside, outside, upside, downside, happy all the time. Thank you. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you. I want to go back and bring up charges of religious malpractice to whoever wrote that song (laughs) can anybody say that with any ounce of integrity that since I met Jesus I am happy all the time maybe there's a handful of people and God bless you if that's true I really mean that but I've never met anyone that's actually true The truth is, life is hard, and just meeting Jesus does not take away the hard, does it? It's just, it stays difficult. And and, and the testimony is that He stays with us when things are difficult, and He brings us through in a myriad of ways. But we have this, the, this thing, and many of us have just thought that this is, well, if I'm a Christian, then I can only have really positive stuff and listen to positive, encouraging music. And, and everything's got to be positive. And, and it's got to be, ah, enlightening, you know, just like, ah, encouraging. Everything we say and everything we do and everything we feel. And then we end up feeling ashamed when we don't feel that because these are the good feelings I'm supposed to be feeling. So God, I can't really share this thing because I'm kind of sad right now. I know you're good, but I'm kind of sad. I remember there was a video I saw a few years ago of Eugene Peterson, the great author, um, sitting down with Bono, lead singer of U2. And they were talking about the Psalms. There's this great little video, and Bono is, as he's talking, Bono is a believer, and he, he was talking about this phenomenon of, of how fake sometimes Christian art has sometimes been and lamenting this and he's painting with a broad brush because there are a lot of very honest, really wonderful Christian artists out there. But, but I think the hard word he's saying was true. And he said, you know, for once, I want to hear, hear a song about somebody's bad marriage. <laughs> like things are really, really hard right now between me and my wife. And like, you know, like at least it's honest. And, and I, I thought that was interesting because here's, here's the thing. The world is craving honesty. Now we can go too far in this and like, and parade ourselves up there for all the negative things that are going on, and that's not what we're talking about. But we do wanna know, the world does wanna know what's real. Because if this Jesus stuff is is, is true, let me see it in in your life. Is it real? Because I don't believe everything's inside, outside, upside down, so happy all the time. I just don't believe that. Nobody believes that. That's programmed response. So what is actually going on in your life? Friends, let me tell you, if your story is hard, that is still a good story. In fact, it might be a better story. Do not think you're disqualified from sharing about his goodness just because life is difficult. Maybe you're still in the middle of that thing. That's okay, that's okay. You don't have to jump in and tell everything, you work it all out. There's there's time for that, there's grace for that. But do not think you're disqualified. Do you hear me? There's another reason I think that people don't share their story and, and I, I think it's because they don't always know what their story is. Sometimes you get too close to it. One of my very favorite things to do as a writer um, is, is to, to work with people who are trying to tell a story. And and, and haven't figured it out, even if it's their own personal testimony, is is to be like, well, this happened, this happened, and this happened. And and I'm just like, well, do you see how you you prayed for that right there and see the way that God answered that in in an unexpected way? Like, that's what I see. And they go, oh, my goodness, I didn't see it. I was too close to it. And I think that happens with a lot of us. We get too close to it, and we don't see it. So what we're going to do for for, for the remainder of our time this morning, and and next week we're going to drill down on this a little bit more, is to zoom out and look at the goodness uh, of God and and at the big story. So I'm gonna ask Mark to come and uh, the guys to to pass out some clipboards. He's gonna pass out a piece of paper. We're gonna multitask this morning. I'm gonna ask you, don't don't read this just yet. Just hold on to it because I'm gonna read it to you in a minute. And we're gonna read through a call and response psalm, okay? This is Psalm 136. It's uh, a, pared it down just a little bit for time's sake. But this is a call and response song, and then we're going to do an exercise together. Okay? Your response is very simple. It is, his love endures forever. Can you handle that? Okay. And I'm going to need a little bit of of gusto here. Okay? We need some, like, some gusto officers to keep this so this doesn't get bland. Are you ready? Here we go. Give thanks to the Lord for he's good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, to him who alone does great wonders, who by his own understanding made the heavens, who spread out the earth upon the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. His love forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt his love forever. and brought Israel out from among them. His love forever. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm. His love forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder his love forever. and brought Israel through the midst of it, his love forever. but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. He remembered us in our lowest state. And freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. This is the story of Israel They zoomed out And they said a lot more there But like I said We we made it a little shorter They zoomed out To be able to see God's faithfulness At every step And I don't know Did you catch the really Subtle refrain in there? (laughs) Real subtle refrain His love endures forever Is kind of a Real subtle You have to listen To really catch it Every step The faithfulness of God I want to do this exercise. Uh, this comes from a friend of mine who, who, named Trisha Lott Williford. Um, she's an author and she has a book coming out in two weeks called This Book is for You. And uh, I was uh, getting a sneak peek at it and I asked her if we could use this exercise because I loved it. So, uh, and she graciously said yes. So I'm going to read this. Uh, we're not going to do this just yet, but let's read it together. Consider the timeline of your life. Lots has happened to you. You've had headlines, you were born and you went to school. Maybe, maybe you moved around to different communities, got married, had your heart broken, had children, got divorced, landed your dream job. You may have changed careers, formed priceless friendships, received painful diagnoses, or lost loved ones to cancer. All of these headlines form chapters of your story, and God has been there for every single chapter. And here we are in this present moment where you're still standing and still trusting in Jesus. Take some time to jot down some of those life headlines below. Then when you have more time, use the other side of this paper to assemble your headlines in a song that is the story of God's faithfulness to you. Before we get into this, I'm gonna, take, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna lead by example and, and read mine because I did this and it was good for my soul. So here's an example, and then we're gonna give a few minutes and have some music so you guys will be able to to do this as well. You don't have to do call and response here. I'll read it myself. Give thanks to the Lord, for I was born to parents who loved me. His love endures forever. Four boys, football, and a world full of adventure. His love endures forever. We imported baby sisters whose hearts were already broken. His love endures forever. My teachers pronounced my potential and foretold my importance. His love endures forever. They did not know. His love endures forever. We got a brother from Colombia. My father's body was broken for him. His love endures forever. I traveled the world and proclaimed the God I sometimes knew. His love endures forever. My adopted siblings pushed us away. His love endures forever. We moved to Minnesota and I fell in love with Sarah. His love endures forever. We had two daughters and I taught the words of God. His love endures forever. We had a son, my dear son. His love endures forever. He could not speak, it crushed my spirit. His love endures forever. We had two more boys, more joy and more aching. His love endures forever. We lost Karen, but kept Janae. His love endures forever. A new church family held us tight. That's you. His love endures forever. We became pastors though our hearts were weak. His love endures forever. I walked with a limp and learned to cry. His love endures forever. I wrote the story of my heart's hibernation. His love endures forever. I told them Christ is there in the silence. His love endures forever. Then he went silent again. His love endures forever. I lost my sister. Janae went away. His love endures forever. I thought I might lose my Jesus too. His love endures forever. But we all grew entwined like redwood roots. His love endures forever. We waver and wobble, and I fear we might fall. His love endures forever. But the Christ who took our hand holds it still. His love endures forever. That's my story. What's yours? gonna take a few minutes and write down some of these headlines. I wanna invite you guys to um, stay in this place if you like. And uh, I wanna ask if you've already begun it, just take some time, whether it's today or tomorrow, sometime this week, Take some time with the Lord and, uh, and complete this exercise to go through and, and, and write the psalm because the best thing we can do is to step back and to see him, you know? Sometimes he just needs to adjust our eyes so we can see him and to see where he's been.